Listen and subscribe to the GrowthCraft Startup Community Podcast on all the major podcast players, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere where podcasts are available. And leave a five-star review if you like it. We need those reviews to grow the show, and it's the easiest way to help us grow the show that you can do right now. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Podcasts or Spotify, and leave a five-star review for the GrowthCraft Startup Community Podcast. And tell all of your friends who are entrepreneurs to take a listen. And thanks. Hello, uh, my name is Hassan Sorrells, and this is Tom Libby. Welcome back, everyone. And you are listening to the GrowthCraft Podcast. The GrowthCraft Podcast is designed specifically, as you know, if you've been listening, with the startup founder in mind. This podcast is dedicated and is committed to growing your connections as a listener to our GrowthCraft advisors, increasing your engagement as a listener with the GrowthCraft community of advisors and founders, and to growing your knowledge about all of the benefits that GrowthCraft can provide for your startup at the growth stage, at the napkin stage, or at any stage that you might be at. We can't wait to bring you along on our journey today. Now, here on this podcast, we interview startup founders, we interview advisors, and others about their journey, their process, their product, their service, and about the value that they are seeking to provide uh, to the world or the dent they are looking to make in the universe. And today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, or we would like to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Christopher Lane, a.k.a. Uh, Mango. How you doing, Mango? Hey, good to be here. Hey, Tom. Tom. So, very first question out the gate, like I warned you before we started recording. Why? What is Mango? What is this? <laughs> what does Mango mean? You're a doctor, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, aside from my clever marketing ploy here, right? Like, yeah, to, aside from like, that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're talking about startups and and founders and, and everything. And uh, it, the name Mango hails all the way back to my first startup when I was 18, 19 years old. And uh, we we came up with this company called it Go Mango Wireless. And the Mango part just stuck ever since. That's what everyone's been calling me. <laughs> From a wireless company to a few doctorates. Uh, so yeah. kind of kind of lay it all out for us tell us uh you know what is it that you do exactly right now yeah to, today it's uh early phase r d and health tech so developing taking products and, and ideas that people usually from academia or uh other other uh innovators come up with like hey i want to go help people with this idea and just they have no idea how to get into market so we're in that sector of uh, early phase R&D and getting getting products through the FDA and really coming at it with this background of business and tech risk, you know, um, having having a lot of sophistication on having launched startups and patents and uh, FDA cleared devices uh, across so many different domains. Uh, cool. We, cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. Awesome. No, there's there's a ton of stuff there. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that that sounds I, I, that sounds too 
60,000 foot view for us, right? So let's get down to the weeds a little bit when we say like, what do you, so what does a, what does a startup founder come to you for help for? Like what, and I understand the words that came out of your mouth, but if I'm a founder, what does that mean to me? Like, how, how are you helping me? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a, a consultancy with the slew of engineers and experts in, in different domains in health tech, but the, the, actual thing we're doing every day falls into two categories. One of them is we, we jump in and help founders who, who don't have a CTO or their CTO, but without that experience in health techs, so they don't really know what it means to build something that's going to have to go through a regulated environment or be in a hospital or be on a patient or be implanted. Uh, so, so helping them build a business around that how do you do an R&D roadmap? How do you talk to investors about this? How do you calibrate your budget and your risk to all of that? So supplementing or being that kind of stand-in CTO for those founders is a huge part of it. Um, and then the other side is the actual engineering work. And we tend to be brought in when problems haven't been able to be solved or when the, the founder has a technology, but it needs the support of a bunch of other things that have never really happened before. So how do they, how do they get their, you know, drug into a patient? Well, they need a delivery device and thing, things like that. Uh, they tend to be really complex and we handle everything that the founder's not an expert in. Um, and then pack, help them get that all through the FDA. Yeah. No, I, I like what you said there. We help the founder do everything they're not an expert in. Right. You're working with undeniably smart people. Um, I do not have a doctorate. Uh, you know, if people want to call me doctor, I'm fine with that. That's cool. I'll take the appellation. Uh, but I have not, you know, done seven years of research or in my case, written a paper for seven years that no one eventually will read because that's what happens to most <laughs> academic publishing. <laughs> yeah, it just goes into the black hole somewhere and, you know, trying to help you get tenure. Okay. Make, makes right. you feel really good about those letters after your name, Mango, huh? Right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, it's, we're, we're not going to go into the tragedy of academic publishing. We're not we'll, we'll skip, we'll skip that today. We'll skip, skip right that over today. that. So um, real. <laughs> but, um. The fact of the matter is, you know, you've, you're working with very, very smart, very, very technically intelligent people about a very narrow band of things. There's all of this other stuff, though, that when they try to take their expertise, I would think to these other areas, it doesn't work. Can you tell us why? Why doesn't it land, right? If I'm smart about getting a drug into a body, why doesn't that smartness help me figure out how to do my finances so that I appear good on a grant to... XYZ agency. Yeah, right. It's, uh, man, yeah. That is, oh, that I is such to, a I right you question. question. I did. No, I went right to the hard question immediately. <laughs> but it's, it's also such a you question because it, it has so much to do with who the people are, right? Mm -hmm. Many, many of these people genuinely aren't interested in anything outside of that thing they developed, uh, you know, the, the, the therapy they developed or the treatment, right? Whether it, you know, it could be an exoskeleton and they care very much about what it does for the patient, but they don't think about what does it mean to quality control my device? You know, why can't I just throw this on, you know, my kids or my students and take that data and then walk over to the FDA and say, look at this data I got, right? It, it's, um, it, it, a lot of that's the regulated piece, but it's also, they want to spend all of their time on their expertise and that's where they're most valuable, right? Like, like understanding why their thing works. 
And where we're most valuable is taking really cool things and saying, all right, here's all the stuff you need to do to support that, to make it work. And, and, you know, having done it so many times, not having the blind spots that people fresh into it need to do, right. They're, they're, there learning all that new stuff. We're here with a framework on how to interrogate them about their technology, the important parts to build context for what they're trying to do. And then, really aggressively prioritize what's important to do right now to make that be successful. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, a lot of uh, AI and machine learning companies, they want to go out and, and um, take a bunch of images and start doing all that and train big deep learning models or you know get a bunch of customer data and train models. And then they go to the FDA and the FDA says, none of this, you have no idea of the provenance of these things. People will turn around and say, no, look, I, 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 it's in my Google Drive. I, I wrote it down, right? I, I, it's from here. But they didn't do any of the formal controls and processes that you need to do for medical devices. So a very, very simple bit of advice I almost always give early to every client is you need that system in place first before you start doing your testing so that everything you do now is valid and usable later. And that one bit often saves clients three years of development time. Um, just absolutely wild. Um, and it's little blind spots like that that can really derail projects by years if you, if you haven't done it before so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna push you a little bit more uh, yeah. mango because because i the question that Hasan's asking i think so you're you're telling us how you solve the problem but i think Hasan was really interested in is like why does the problem exist in the first place like why is somebody mm. who is so talented and smart in in that area of like you, we'll use your exoskeleton for example, which seems to be like bio uh, biomechanical engineering, right? So they 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 can look at a human body and go, I can definitely see how I can fix this event. But if I look at a, an Excel spreadsheet with financial data on it, I'm lost. How does that mental capacity not translate into other facets of the business? Why yeah, does yeah. it not? Like why 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 are really smart people really dumb at certain things? Like, my, my actual PhD is in neuroscience, and I will sit and talk about brains all day long. Oh, here we and go. <laughs> so there are there are spots, right, where transfer learning is a real thing, right? Like, yeah, you sure. want to get good at free throws, you shoot from everywhere on the court, right? And that's going to make you better at free throws. If you stand in one spot and keep doing the same thing, you are not going to get better at free throws. You're not going to get better at the other sports as, as quickly as you can. And, and that metaphor translates really well here. Like, these are people who standing in the same spot making the same you know shot every single time and as soon as they take a step to the right suddenly they're missing right i i, I totally <laughs> i no no no. i totally understand this because you're basically you're now you're speaking my language now from athletic standpoint it's about muscle memory right like yeah. so so being able to to get your body to do certain things in sports and Hasan will agree with me on this because mm -hmm. we're both we're both you know certain levels of athletics in our lives but in order that's why football players take ballet and or karate or jujitsu or like that's why baseball players take piano and there are certain things that yeah. muscle the muscle memory is, is is instinctual at that point so what you're talking about in business and and you can either elaborate or correct me if i'm wrong is it's basically brain muscle memory right so if you if you focus and fixate your brain muscle memory on one thing it doesn't get adapted to other so it's not i can i understand that now i think i think yeah, I'm and there's an even a, a more dangerous uh part to it too where you're so good at shooting your free throws from that one spot that you think you could do it from anywhere 
Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good one too. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. A lot of our clients tend yeah. to not even know that they're not good at those things or that they need service. That tends to be one of the hardest parts about it, engagements is that oftentimes we end up having to sit and watch our clients fail before they reach out and ask for help. It's really painful to, to go through. Years ago, I'm going to relate this story. <clears throat> Years ago, I had a client uh, who shall remain nameless in a uh, in a major laboratory <laughs> that if I said the name of it, everyone would know what the laboratory is. And the, the head of human resources brought me in to train the engineers to basically be better people, basically to manage better, have emotional intelligence, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And I love engineers. I do. I love them. I embrace them. They are my brothers. Um, if I need them to put up a bridge, I don't really care how they feel about it. I just want them to put up that bridge. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really do. But at a certain point, you got to convince the guys who are the construction workers who are actually doing the, the the manual labor of the engineering that you came up with so brilliantly to actually put it up and not 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 irritate those those gentlemen. <laughs> and so that's what I was called in to do, right? And um the, the woman in human resources, she says to me, and I'll never forget this because this relates directly to what you're talking about with free throws. She says, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a, a doctorate or a master's degree. I, I just, you know, work here in human resources. And so she said, you know, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to really, really convince these guys that you're an expert. Um, Cause she says, they'll just, they won't buy it from you if you don't convince them you're an expert. And I said, ma'am, <clears throat> they're engineers of the specific area that they were in. And I said, I'm an engineer of human nature. That's what my doctorate is in. We're both, we're all experts in the room. So you show yes. yours, I'll show you mine. And then we could all put down the egos and we could all start working together. And that's exactly how I approached it. And actually, she sat in with the first class with me. And I literally said that to these folks. I said, you're all very smart. That's all cool. I'm smart too. So are we going to show off our smarts or are we going to all work together? Like what's going to happen? And the tension in the room went from like 10 all the way down to a two, because now everybody sort of understood what the deal was. And that goes directly to what you're saying, where you've got to, it's not necessarily convincing them that you're smart and know how to do all this other stuff. It's that I have intelligence in other different areas that you may not have. And it's equally as valuable as what you're bringing to the, to your product or to your innovation or to your solution. Um, am I correct in thinking that? Is that sort of where you're going? That's usually where it, where it breaks, right? Where where uh, or it repairs, right? It, it, it becomes right. an an engagement or a relationship uh, where we're working together now, right? Yeah. Um, some people don't often always get there, uh, but you also see a lot of grad students go through that in particular, where they've been working under this advisor who will probably never get there, but as soon as they step out and start doing things, uh, I, I I for one was incredibly humbled by grad school. Like you realize how much you don't know in the world it, it tends to have that effect you either you either get incredibly humbled or you build this giant ego that may never be diffused right <laughs> so, yeah it's, it's six of one so, half dozen of the other yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so we, we've spent a lot of time on the on the what and the how right so let's talk a little bit about the why like why why you are, are you the only answer in the universe that they that they have to, to solve this? Are there a thousand of you out there and you are just so much better because of X or so let's talk a little bit about the why. Like why 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 yeah. did you why why did you start this endeavor in the first place and now and then why you? Join the Growth Craft Startup community online via Zoom each first Tuesday of the month at 4 30 p.m. Eastern Time for Expert Tuesdays. 
With Expert Tuesdays, you'll hear from one of our top-notch expert advisors and thought leaders in an informative workshop or presentation focusing on a topic important to emerging and growing companies. From sales and marketing to storytelling and leadership, in this hour-long monthly session, you will be able to connect with the GrowthCraft community, advisors, founders, and others. And you'll learn entrepreneurship skills you can apply to your startup project uh, right now. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us on Expert Tuesdays in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. And thanks. Yeah, so it's, it's a whole market segment, right? But taking medical devices to market, being a consultant in that space, it, it exists. It's well established. There's a lot of really good people out there doing it, um, especially the people who, who get into the engineering for doing it. We almost almost ubiquitously get into it because we love seeing things come to life that help people. Um, that's true for everyone that I work with. Um, and it's a great industry to be in for working at that. But that's what everyone does. That's what everyone says. The, the why us, and, and so I haven't talked about it very much, but uh, a bunch of us have started a, a cooperative. We call it the Just Cooperative. Uh, it's, it's literally a worker-owned co-op. And the opportunity that we saw in the way that we are kind of approaching this differently is most of the rest of the space is big firms who take the same wrench and hit every problem with the same wrench. And that doesn't really work great. And it often becomes more about getting enough billable, getting more billable hours, maximizing engagements. And there's also a much bigger shift toward, let me chase the whales. Let me go after the Johnson and Johnson's and the Medtronics of the world. So a lot of these younger companies, startups, founders who are coming out of academia, things like that are really fighting over the scraps of, of the industry. And they often end up getting deprioritized and, and engineers working at those firms end up you know, working overtime to try and meet the needs of those secondary clients. So they're getting poor service, they're not prioritized. And yeah, it really feels like there's this gap. And the other, the other pieces of that are the, the engineers working in those firms and we used to all be them. We're really fabulous at supporting each other and understanding the client. And then the organizations we work for tend to derail the projects or get in the way. So we also all have a ton of business savvy, have all had startups. We know how to launch companies, how to speak to investors, how to talk to CEOs, how to exist in those tricky environments. So we said, like, there's a model for this, right? Law firms out there have our partnerships and they work with clients in the same way. There's the cooperative movements and ways to do business that are a little different, a little bit self-managed. And that's how we're approaching it is, is we as engineers are, are curating bespoke agreements with each client, engagements for each client that really suit what they're trying to do and doesn't put them on a back burner the way they're they're getting with, with some of these others, some of these other engagements. Um, it's also, you know, we have a lot more agency in that context to focus on client and end user success rather than the engagements, uh, you, you know, chasing dollars. So like our KPIs, our metrics, the things that we talk about internally are not how many dollars did we earn this week? It's, you know, things like customer satisfaction and are, are we hitting our deliverables and are we being like, did we have check-ins with our client about whether our deliverables are working, right? Those, that kind of affirmation is never something that you'd see in a, you know, an industry firm right now. And so, lo and behold, the money follows, right? We do well, we're doing fine, right? <laughs> when you act well, you're 
get treated well. I literally had a conversation today with somebody about the decline of customer service just in general across all market mm-hmm. segments, just in the, in it feels like in the West, but let's just stick to the United States. Cause I don't know. I don't know what's happening in the rest of Europe or Japan or South Korea. Uh, but I do know what's happening here. And the, I don't care if you're going to, God, I don't care if you're going to a fast food restaurant and the person's got, you know, the Apple earbud in their ear while they're also trying to serve you. Or you're talking about what you're talking about here with bespoke solutions for people um, who are very, very intelligent and need to get to market um, and need to, quite frankly, be paid for their for their work. Um, obviously, there's a huge range and gap there, but there's a common thread of a lack of customer service, just a lack of that personal touch. It's a commoditization, um, right, of, of yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah, it is a commoditization of these things. And I, I also think the internet, just not Google specifically, but the internet has driven that, the commoditization of that over the course of the last 25 years. Because if search fails, who are you going to call? You're not going to call anybody. You're just going to go to like DuckGoGo or Mozilla Firefox or whatever, right? Like, or Ghostery or Tor Browser. You're going to go get a VPN from somewhere, Right. And so since there's, since we've, we've almost accepted it at the lowest possible level, but we didn't realize that the, the acidity of accepting that sort of just goes up and goes up and goes up and eventually eats your whole, eats your whole society, your whole culture. So uh, thank you for putting the customer back in customer service. Um, when we think about this, I think about how do I work with you? So you mentioned a grad student, right? If I'm a grad student, I'm going to pick an age. Let's say I'm a 34-year-old grad student who has a, a genius medical device I, uh, project that I've been working on for seven years, right? And now I've reached the end of my my research time. I want to I wanna take this to market because I think that it would be good. Um, I have an advisor or a set of advisors who maybe are somewhat supporting me, but to your point, Maybe you're a little bit funky around the edges because they were never able to take stuff to market. Okay. Uh, I, I magically trip and fall over you at uh, Adventure Cafe, right? Or at MIT or Cambridge or someplace, right? I magically trip and fall over you. Now I know this guy named Mango. Uh, that's going to stick in my head because that's good marketing. What happens after that? How do you engage with me? What, what does that engagement with you look like? Yeah, the, the grad student's a good example because that's that ends up being a lot of it, right? Right. Um, so that in that situation, there's usually two kinds of clients. One is they have some funding from their school or they don't, right? So the pursuing funding, that tends to be that mentoring capacity of, all right, what, what do you need to do to get to the point where you can be funded? And like, like here, you know, we'll have a little bit of a coaching session, do a little bit of an R&D roadmap that talks about, have you de-risked your technology really in, in school? Like you, you probably de-risked that it could work. But there's so much of that tech risk that they've never thought about that that an investor is going to ask about, right? So we talk a little bit about that. What does that look like for them? What do they need to do? Come up with a roadmap and a plan. And then they take that and go fundraise with it. And as part of that conversation, I, I tend to help them build a budget that like this is what it might cost to go and get that. And oftentimes those clients then succeed at fundraising and come back and, and hire us to, to do the work or to do the thing. Um, and, and then depending on how that splits, the that's really the start of that uh, on-demand CTO kind of relationship. 
where we're helping them build their roadmaps and understand what it, what their organization needs from a technology leadership perspective. And that will often continue. Even if they don't hire us to build the thing, we will often run their external teams, hire their consultants, help them build an internal team, do all of the things that you need to build technology in an organization. Um, the other side is if they're already funded, oftentimes they need prototypes, they need things built. So they've got it and they just don't have the engineering know-how, how to source manufacturers, how to you know do things in a, in a quality system like that. So we'll jump in right away if somebody has that kind of grant funding or uh, you know an incubator funding and and just bolster their team uh, with with you know taking their product into the right context to to be that MVP. Right. And it's the same thing. Like a lot of times it's, it's what really is good enough here. Right. Uh, the, the thing we, we say a lot with our clients is, is there's so many ways to make this real. We're really good at interrogating uh, our, our customers on what's really important right now. Like what can we cut out and, and what are, what are like future hypotheses and speculation versus what needs to work right now to get you to your next fundraising goal. Right. Or to get you to that first, customer, right? Um, and it often ends up cutting the project budget in half or in third and and they get results so much quicker, right? Borderline like a lean kind of methodology, but it really stem or like it rides on the back of, of two things. It's we've worked on so many different domains that we bring transfer learning from so many different disciplines. And then the other thing is like being a co-op, you, you hinted at some things earlier about like that emotional intelligence, right? And that, that communication savvy operating as a, a worker owned collective, we're our own governance, we're our own management, and it's forcing us to be communicative, to be savvy in how we interact with each other, to be aware of ourselves, which then is like immediately translating into how we interact with our clients. Our, our engineering team, I'm one of them, uh, talks with clients in a way you would not expect engineers to talk with clients. And I think it's really refreshing for our clients. And it also saves us a ton of time, right? In that disconnect that often exists between, uh, between nerds, uh, and, you know, <laughs> like, like, man, how many, you're in any, any engineering meeting and someone says, yeah, but the investor, and then all hands go up and the engineers say, screw the investor. And they have that right aggressive response, right? That doesn't happen because we, we know that's important, even if it can feel superfluous sometimes, right? Yeah, so it just it feels very different in, in a lot of those engagements. So, so is this is this something that people hire you like on an hourly basis? Is it like, uh, is there, and you don't have to yeah, talk about the, I don't care about the dollar amount, but is it like a, like, uh, is it like a monthly retainer? Is it a, is it up by the project? Like, how does that work out for them? Yeah, the the simplest way that we work uh, this the on demand CTO things we tend to do as as a retainer, right? And then roughly burn against it. Try not to be overly worried about counting hours because yeah. you know every phone call like then becomes a barrier to entry, right? Or, you know you don't ah, I don't want to I don't want to talk to Mango because you know that eight minutes is going to cost me an hour of billable time, right? No, that's not that's not the way it works at all. But yes, like some sort of base retainer, just so that we have them on our radar and we're constantly thinking about them and we're available. That That's really good for those kinds of engagements. The engineering side tends to be, as you described, you know, we collaborate on some deliverables and tend to map it to hourly. Our goal is to get to the point where we can do ROI-based uh, engineering services. Yeah. So we can talk about, all right, what really are we achieving here? Let's share in that success 
rather than uh, you know it'd be counting you know nickels uh, and and you know tracking hours and nobody likes that stuff across the board. So in the situation of the grad student that you mentioned earlier, when we're going for a fundraising goal, that's a really good way to talk about shared success because we can we can talk about what it'll cost us to build a thing roughly put that into the budget as part of our fundraising goal. And then that, that becomes shared success, right? And as we deliver on those things, uh, we're, we're both getting paid, right? Us and the founder, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And thinking about sort of what we do here at Growthcraft and then also thinking about what you're mm -hmm. doing in your collective and thinking about sort of the, the similarities of the differences, um, the, the question occurs to me, um, when you think about the clients that you've worked with in the past, um, what are not, what, what does a success look like? Let's frame it in that sort of terms. Uh, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. What, if I'm a client with you, if I'm that grad student, right? What does success look like for me? What does the end of the road look like for me with you at the end of an engagement? Yeah, uh, it, med tech tends to be very definitive on ends yeah. of ends of things. Uh, there's there's a pretty substantial shift from we launched a product to now we're sustaining that product. So uh, that FDA clearance, that commercial launch, you know, or transfer to a, a, a manufacturing team who's going to take it is pretty definitive. Um, it, it usually will end that way, and the follow-on engagement you know, kicking off a new project tends to, to follow that with, you know, Gen 2, or what are we building next? What are we working on next? Or, hey, here are all the places that we cut out features. Are we going to keep developing those or, or not? Um, are we going to jump into a clinical study now? And our team is going to show up and support that clinical study now as a next phase of work because we've got the device experience and we can you know, learn more about usability and answer some of those hypotheses. So success at its basic level is, yeah, we did it. We got a device on the market, right? Or yeah, we got our fundraising or um, yeah, we answered all of our first round questions. And then it always leads to that, all right, what's next? You know, are we, you know, are we exiting? Did we build them an internal team? Another internal team has it and we offboard that team or are we gonna you know, work on something next? Join us online via Zoom at the Growthcraft Startup Community Founders Forum each third Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Look, advisors and founders, we're, we're all in this together. Building relationships with your peers and entrepreneurship is just as important as connecting with experts and advisors. Each month, every third Thursday, we'll meet online via Zoom to share ideas, get support, support each other, and talk about universal issues that nearly all startups share. We'll celebrate our victories, chat about challenges, and then break out into small groups to address a timely topic of interest. It's a great way to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. Check out the links to the third Tuesday events on the Growthcraft website and join us at the Growthcraft Startup Community Founders Forum in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. So Hasan just mentioned growth graph. So I'm going to take a little bit of a, a turn here. Um, so, so what attracted you to growth graph? Let's talk a little bit about growth craft, right? So how, like how the, why the, everything we just talked about all your other stuff over there 
and now apply it to Growthcraft over here and <laughs> give us the yeah. who, the what, the how, the why, the when. Like, so talk a little bit about Growthcraft what, and why you're there and, and why it's attractive to you. Yeah, if you're re reading between the lines, right? We we started a, a cooperative because we like community and we like community building. We like and our, our team supports the heck out of each other and approaches client relationships in a different way than, than a lot of places. And I met the Growthcraft team in that context at Venture Cafe, you know, stumbling into each other as uh, <laughs> Kaysan <laughs> completely encapsulated my marketing strategy. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Growthcraft group in bodies that idea of hey we're all we're all in it together we're all going after the same stuff we're all sinking or swimming by a lot of the same capabilities a lot of the same struggles you know let's not let's not repeat that and let's also find a lot of solidarity in like we're we're doing this as a, as a group um and it, it puts the individuals ahead of the engagements themselves or you know any other piece of it Right. We're, we're humans it, it, and we're, we're connected in trying to do some really cool, really interesting, really hard things together. The other side of that is I'm also one of those academics who knows nothing about business and building things and all of that. And <laughs> Growthcraft has taught me so much about marketing and all of the other parts of you know, leadership and being a business uh, that you know, it would have been really easy for me to take for granted or think that I knew how to shoot those free throws, right? So it's, it's been really beneficial to me in starting this venture, in addition to like being attracted to that community element uh, of the other founders that are there. Well, in that community element, I mean, that's the whole point of, as I, you know, as we opened up this podcast with, and we do every episode, you know, that's the whole point of, of the projects that, that we're launching, the events that we do, the forums that we have, um, you know, the, the platform that we have on Mighty Networks. I mean, it, it's about building that community and sustaining that community. And then even when we get into client engagements and, you know, we're starting to pursue, you know, some of those uh, collectively as a group, how do we work together? Um, in order to uh, deliver customer service and deliver the growth craft promise um, to that client. Uh, but then also, how do we deliver that promise to each other um, in our own communication um, with each other? So uh, that's just that's hugely necessary for the success of growth craft. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that was one of the one of the big things that uh, that has drawn you that has drawn you in. Yeah, so that that peer peer to peer element, uh, you know, both between advisors and between founders and, and participants I, to talk about brains again you don't do you really know something if you can't teach someone else how to do it yeah. right and then there's something about that with this group right it's so many opportunities to teach what you think you know and, and i find myself all the time oh man there's there's a gap here when i'm trying to explain this to somebody um it's very socratic i guess in in that way right uh if you if you haven't been able to communicate it to someone else you probably don't really know yet and I've, I've enjoyed being challenged by that, but I've also really enjoyed seeing, like sitting around a table at some of the events, seeing a founder ask a question and then having another founder like jump over there and be like, no, no, here, let me show you, let me show you. This is really cool. I figured this thing out. And like, they just get so excited about, oh, it will work for me. Let me go help you, right? Uh, yeah, it's so joyful just to like participate in that. 
Awesome. Go ahead, Tom. Do you want to you want to take the, uh, the, the 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 promotion question, or do you want me the to do final it? the final the final, uh, final the, turn the, the penultimate <laughs> turn? <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll try, gladly. So uh, so in in wrapping everything up, typically what we do here, uh, Mango, is we ask everybody to you know to be a little self promoting, right? So is there something about you or your your collab your um, your collective that uh, that you want to promote out? Are you guys going to be doing, is there a book? Is there a podcast? Is there a website? Is there something that you want to, you know, uh, kind of tell it? And, and then of course, how do people find you? If somebody on the is listening to this right now, that is a med device or a med tech uh, person, how do they go about finding you? So all of that wrapped into one question for you. I'm just hitting you with the big ones today. Like it's all <laughs> about, I just want you to continue to talk, right? So I, I ask one question and let you talk for 20 minutes instead of there asking you 20 questions. So anyway. That's, that's really effective hosting. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but this this one's fairly simple. I, I mean, we're, we're being a young company. We're not doing a lot of uh, big, splashy anything. We Our, our website is still in process, just.coop, C-O-O-P. Uh, that'll be coming. We have a, a very simple LinkedIn page. Uh, this the Just Cooperative. Those are probably the easiest ways to get a hold of us. Reaching out to me directly, totally fine. Um, through Growthcraft is obviously another really great way to, to get involved. Um, I, yeah, recommend that a lot. Um, the the other things that, that I've been working on are, are a lot more about uh, local mentoring and, and things like being involved in some of the robotics things, um, you know, uh, supporting, oh man, one of the most fun things I did recently was go back to my uh, alma mater. Uh, I went to Illinois Tech in Chicago. Yeah. And 20 years ago, we started the robotics club there. I cannot believe that's wild how long that's been. But, uh, you know, if, if anyone's ever interested in uh, mentoring uh, in STEM and things like that, I'd love to put you in touch and uh, and help help you help kids build awesome. robots, do other cool technology and science things. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will have links uh, as usual. This is what I usually say. We will have links and it is the truth below the uh the player in the show notes of the platform upon which you are listening to the growth craft podcast where you can get a hold of mango and all of the projects that he is supporting and working with so we'll have all those links right there you can click on them and you can get a hold of of uh of dr uh, lane anywhere where you find the growth craft podcast all right well i would like to thank you <laughs> well, I've been working on it for a while. We've got a lot of practice. Um, <laughs> so I would like to thank um I'd like to thank uh Dr. Christopher Mango Lane for coming on the podcast today. Uh it was it was a great pleasure to talk with you and find out more about what you're doing and, and how you're changing the world. I really do we really do appreciate it. So thank you. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Love being nerds together. Absolutely. <laughs> my favorite, it's one of my favorite uh labels. There you for, go. Myself, for myself i love, for, I love being for himself <laughs> <laughs> and with that we're out each second thursday at 3 30 p.m eastern time join Growthcraft live and in person at second thursdays at cic located at one broadway cambridge massachusetts Located at Kendall Square, CIC features the most engaging entrepreneurial community in the Northeast, right next to MIT and minutes from Harvard University and downtown Boston. 
With 250,000 square feet of professionally managed, flexible workspace, CIC has every office amenity you could possibly need to scale your startup project. For those of you who are local, or if you're just visiting Boston, GrowthCraft advisors and founders can meet others in our community face-to-face. -face. Join us for an informal social and informational get-together. Meet others, chat with advisors and peers, make connections, and then stay for Venture Cafe, starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern every second Thursday at CIC. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to uh, right now. And thanks.